Good afternoon. It's my pleasure to introduce Alien Productions or two members from that group, uh, Martin Brendel and Norbert Math uh, from Austria. The only reason I am doing this introduction is because uh, uh, I'm probably the only person in this room who has seen them in action. And that happened quite by accident uh, in Moscow at uh, the theater space Dom, and I traveled with them uh, throughout Russia to Ekaterinburg, and uh, where they um, have made uh, quite a sensation as they have through much of Europe. They've been together as Alien Productions for six years, and it's my great honor to present my Austrian colleagues, Martin Brendel and Norbert Math. Thank you very much for this kind introduction. Uh, as John told you, actually one of our group members, Andrea Zodomka, cannot be with us. Unfortunately, she would have liked to travel with us, but for personal reasons she had to stay at Vienna and she uh, is sending the best regards. Um, so it's Norbert and me who are presenting a little bit about our work. Um, first of all, um, we do not have a very strict concept what we are presenting you now. Uh, and so I hope you will enjoy <laughs> without having a, our concept. Uh, Alien Productions was uh, founded six years ago, but we are working together for a quite longer time for about, I, I work together for, for about 15 to 20 years we are working now together and on a different kind of media and Alien Productions is actually not really a group of artists but uh, we prefer the term network because uh, we are often more people than we three uh, we are often uh, collaborating with many, many people, other artists, other technicians, uh, theorists, or other people from the world, and uh, everybody who likes to join us in our way of thinking and in our way of handling things uh, becomes automatically a member of Alien Productions too, so it's kind of label, let's say. Um, the reason why we do it this way is because um, we have noticed that we, uh, in ourselves, we are, um, every, everybody of us is a little bit multiple personal, so multiple personality, because Norbert, for example, is a composer and a programmer. Andrea Sodomka is a composer and visual artist. artist. And me, myself, I'm a visual artist, actually, and I'm a, write, I'm a writer. And so uh, joining, uh, we could even be more multiple than we are. So that's the reason why we do it. And yeah. Yeah, our main uh, field of work is uh, so-called uh, media art, whatever that is. We don't know it uh, exactly ourselves. Uh, but actually, that is a field which is a bit uh, complicated for one, two, or a bunch of people to, to work on because there are so many things to consider. So maybe to make a piece of, of multimedia art is uh, quite as complicated as, as making a movie, a film. And uh, uh, Martin just mentioned that uh, we are, don't see ourselves as a group of artists, but as a network. And I just want to uh, make this point a little clear. Uh, the difference uh, between our approach and uh, the making a movie is that that we don't believe that much in hierarchy. So uh, a movie became, as soon as that uh, making a movie became a, uh, established as artwork, uh, uh, soon arise the question, who is the author of the movie? And uh, the author or the person who is uh, responsible for the movie, it turned out to be the director. 
I don't know why the director, not uh, the writer of the screenplay or the main actor, but it was the director. So we have the director who decides things, who has things under control. That's the job of the director. And the other people who do that, what the director uh, wants them to do. Our approach is a bit different, and uh, that's where the network comes in. Uh, we try to split the role of the director to everybody who is in the work. And uh, so uh, that's why we uh, call our group a network. So um, actually, so the, the discussions of the last days, so like the panel discussions and the presentations of the work, uh, what we noticed is uh, that everybody's speaking of control. So we have to control the work or we programming to control uh, machines or we, we are moving and controlling machines, something like this. So <clears throat> artists seems a little bit to be control freaks. And this is also a, a thing we have questioned, or we are questioning for a long time. So our, our work is also always about control sharing. So I hope everybody has read this abstract here, because so we can, uh, we, we <laughs> I, I, I wrote this down, so just uh, it's, it's just a few thoughts about control sharing. Uh, shall I read it, or, or have you read it? So <laughs> read it, okay. Uh, so the background of our work is so like um, the production of music, especially of electronic music, has changed completely within the last ten years. Not more the big studio alone, but also the living room serves as space for the production and as for example in the case of net art, sometimes also a stage of performance. A new scene of music producer has emerged largely as a result of the new technologi technological uh, developments. I'm apologizing for my English, it's not my mother tongue. Uh, these developments allow us to work on ideas, content, structures, and musical forms in a way which we could not imagine till now. We are just beginning to work in non-hierarchic structures and dynamic systems, but these will demand new ways of acting, new ways of looking on things. A crucial ability to achieve will be sharing control. In non-hierarchic structures, all participants have equal rights, artists, users, and machines. We have learned that it is possible to create open structures within a project without losing control of the idea or the concept. We will show some work now that like, can illustrate this thought. Um, accepting machines as partners, not as mere executive tools, but as part of the whole organism is another step. Not the glorification of men like robots or machines imitating human abilities, but to work with machines as partners with their possibilities, their imperfectness and bugs, and accept, to accept them as collaborators in a team working process. Communication between us and machines means that sometimes we are the listeners and sometimes they are. So this is like the theory behind or uh, and the first group of work we want to we want to present three group of works of ours. So the first uh, group we want to present is uh, so-called biofeedback uh, uh, biofeedback installations. So we since 1993, we are working with biofeedback. Uh, biofeedback, I, I don't know if you are familiar to, the, to this. This is kind of a medi uh, medical device, which is, uh, which is normally used in therapy uh, for stress management, for things like this. Like, uh, it's, it's a device where you can learn uh, to to yeah to work with your body to prevent certain uh, certain uh, things or to for self healing process uh, uh, maybe you would like to, <laughs> to explain that yeah um, 
Uh, as we have seen, uh, many of us are working with uh, so-called interfaces, are, are concerned about uh, how to uh, interface uh, the player with the instrument. And uh, we have seen many approaches, and there are many approaches uh, around. Uh, some are better, some are uh, not that good. Uh, I, I don't want to argue about it. Uh, what we tried uh, to make with our biofeedback instruments is uh, to find an instrument that is not totally under our control, but uh, to find something uh, which uh, one has to learn uh, to work with, but uh, doesn't learn uh, to work with like a, a, a regular instrument. And uh, the interesting thing that comes in with uh, biofeedback is uh, that it is a, a feedback system in the sense that uh, if you do something um, and an event comes out of it, your body reacts to it. So, for example, you're uh, triggering a sound, a loud sound, your body reacts, and with that reaction, something else can be triggered. And uh, we have been experimenting with that uh, biofeedback devices for, for some time. Uh, we are, were thinking about making shows with a player on stage playing biofeedback. We have done that. But uh, uh, we, we went to the decision to get, go a bit further and to have the people uh, themselves, the spectators themselves, uh, sitting in the center of the room and uh, having their own body uh, inside this uh, biofeedback room. So that's where the idea of the autoregulative spaces comes out. It is a, an installation with uh, audio and 3D graphics, which is triggered, uh, which is uh, created by the person who gets in. Do you want to talk something that I show? Or? Yes. Okay, yes. Uh, the, the, the crucial point is that, that you can't uh, control the environment by your brain, but you must get in a flow. It's, uh, it's so you have, uh, you have a sensor on your finger, or maybe, this is the this is uh, the, the person using it. Uh, the the bio uh, it, it translates your your heart uh, your heartbeat your your uh, skin resistance your temperature uh, to to a medical biofeedback system and then translate it into into trigger data of a graphic system and the audio system. And you are sitting in the room and you are surrounded by 3D projection and sound projection. And uh, and this give, gives you a kind of feedback loop. It really turns uh, your your inner state into into the uh, into the outer in, into the outer space, and you react on this. And we have noticed that every user, every visitor, uh, reacts differently and really makes a different piece of art out of the same setting. That's the main, the crucial point. Maybe if you're interested, just a few words about the technical uh, aspects. Um, uh, for the audio system, we use a, a multi-channel system, uh, which uh, creates an immersive uh, situation for the user. And uh, uh, mainly we work with uh, so-called physical modeling, which is not new for anybody of you, I think. Uh, the, the interesting thing about the approach of uh, physical modeling is that you uh, model uh, a virtual uh, instrument, like flute, uh, uh, trombone or something, and you create this virtual instrument, and uh, you can interact with this instrument uh, in the ideal way as, as if it was a real instrument. And uh, we found out that uh, using physical modeling is a very, uh, very good approach uh, for 
using uh, for controlling with, with biofeedback, uh, because uh, we can look at it at the system like uh, the body of the user uh, interacts with a virtual with a virtual physical body of the uh, physical instrument uh, of the physical model instrument. Uh, the graphic system is just a 3D uh, projection. It could be um, split on more screens like a cube. The, the important thing is, is that it uh, has a that the projection is, is is big, and it really creates an immersive uh, um, experience. Okay, that's basically the technical side of this, and we have uh, different. Uh, di uh, we have uh, created different uh, kind of spaces with this. Uh, here you see an a, a overview of our works. The first one, public diary, diary was uh, the triggering of a, of a of a lighting system of a, of a whole room. It was uh, 1993. The next thing, theta phase, was uh, for slide projection, actually controlling slide projections. This uh, is with uh, um, two performers, yeah. performers. Uh, lying in a bed. They don't see and hear anything, but they are controlling the, the, the lights and the sound, which you can't hear. Sorry. <laughs> no. Channel 9 was uh, a performance piece where the performer, Andrea Sodomka, triggered the space. And then body augmentation was, the f was also a piece for, uh, for slide projection. Let's go on a little bit faster. <laughs> uh, Autoregulative spaces was the first thing uh, uh, that used a 3D uh, environment in image. And uh, so there you have spaces where objects are are in the space projected, and uh, if if you were nervous or something like this, this 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 objects coming coming closer, and if you relax, these objects stay in a stable place. And the last one we want to present a little uh, a little excerpt of it. This is Watchtop Partikelwelt. Uh, it was a collaboration with uh, with uh, authors, with writers, and there we took uh, the, the the text um, of uh, they wrote a text for us, and uh, this text uh, was uh, treated with granular synthesis in real time. Uh, and you sat in a, in a chair in the middle of a, of an eight-channel loudspeaker system and your bodily feelings splintered up the text into little tiny fragments and if you got very relaxed you could uh, reassemble the text and uh, so this is the situation there so you were, you were surrounded by loudspeakers and um, now if, if we we could <laughs> get the CD player we could uh, yeah, I'm just sharing control with this device here. Um, just a little, uh, yeah, just a, a bit, little bit further. Um, we, after making this installation, uh, where people uh, actively uh, takes part in it, uh, we were commissioned to make a radio piece uh, based on this installation. And it was technically impossible for us to have every radio listener uh, get uh, a sensor and to be part of, of uh, the installation. Uh, so what we did is uh, to record the data of one of uh, these sessions, uh, because it's uh, also all based on good old MIDI protocol, which everybody hates and everybody uses. And uh, we recorded uh, a MIDI session from uh, this uh, installation. And when I find it... Brainwave, the brainwave encoding, yes. And uh, what we did, 
is uh, to use the good old program Cool Edit. I think everybody knows that, which has that funny uh, effect, which is called um, don't know brainwave brainwave modulation or something like this. Uh, what it does is that it makes uh, tiny uh, delays upon the sound file, and when it, when you listen to it through the uh, with with earphones, it uh, modulates it syncs your brain. Uh, to those delays, and you can impose uh, di uh, different states of mind uh, to the listener. The higher uh, the fr frequency is, uh, the more it makes you alert. When the frequency goes down, it makes you relaxed, dizzy, sleepy, whatever. So we imposed this uh, curve upon the sound, and that is what we broadcasted. It was, uh, I think, the first uh, three-channel uh, broadcast uh, over FM radio worldwide. It was not only stereo, but there was only also this hidden channel, which uh, made all the audience go dizzy and sleepy. And this is what we try to uh, do now with you. Okay, my control sharing was successful. <laughs> okay. Right.
it's hard to document such uh, uh, installations because you really have to experience it. And this leads us to the second uh, group of work we are doing. Uh, it's also hard, they are also hard to document, but uh, it's, uh, one has to be in the, in, in the experiencing uh, situa situation. This is our collaborative projects and so-called on-site, online, on-air projects. Uh, that means that <coughs> Uh, we try to make setups where you can perceive, we try to make setups where as well as, uh, uh, um, no, where local uh, situations, uh, physical spaces uh, are stage of an event and it's, uh, or stages, physical spaces are stages of the event and, uh, Online, there is uh, are connections between these um, spaces or access for other people, and on air means that uh, there is also an uh, there are also radio versions for this. These are installations or um, or performance pieces uh, that may go on over a long time. Uh, the first we did, it was uh, 1994, it's called, it was called State of Transition. Uh, it was, uh, State of Transition was, now I have to, it's, it's a long time. <laughs> uh, it was actually a performance piece. We conceived together with X-Space in Graz, this Gerfried Stocker. Uh, it's now the, the uh, artistic director of Ars Electronica Center in Linz. Uh, then he, uh, he was uh, an artist himself. And it was a telematic live radio internet event between a gallery in Graz, Austria, the V2 gallery in Rotterdam, uh, in, the in, in the Netherlands, uh, via internet and via radio stations. Uh, or in, it was the ORF uh, in, in, in Austria. And it was, call, uh, it was a piece about migration. And migration is one of our main topics because I think in our world, in our time, migration is becoming more and more a serious, a very serious topic. And also all the technological improvements in, uh, in kind of telematic or internet uh, has also to do with migration. Um, it's very, very hard to explain, actually, but uh, the situation was this. Uh, it was 1994. Uh, Internet was one year old, not quite one year old, uh, or released, publicly, publicly released. And we were on the border uh, of the uh, first Yugoslavian conflict. There was war, a war about 200 kilometers from us, and we all could not understand why the people there were shooting at each other, and it was a huge wave of people coming uh, from uh, from the, the ex-Yugoslavian uh, ex uh, countries were coming to Austria, and a huge migration was uh, taking place. I read, uh, th this was uh, uh, state of transition uh, was uh, was about uh, this migration, a live performance about migration played by artists simultaneously in V2 Rotterdam in the Netherlands and Neue Galerie in Graz, utilizing various types of telematic connections, standard phone lines, MIDI data lines, video phones, ISDN, internet, high-quality radio lines, thus providing high-level communication between the artists in Rotterdam and in Graz. State of Transition was uh, simultaneously performed by Gerfried Stocker, Martin Schitter, Joel Ryan and Dirk Haubrich in Rotterdam and Andreas Sodomka, Martin Breindl, Norbert Martin, Wolfgang Reinisch in Graz. State of Transition was um, also was one of the first, if not the very first, we are not quite sure, live events 
with, which provided open interactive access for US via, users via the Internet. Navigating through the web pages, users could select the sounds to be used in the live performance, and each page was linked with a certain track on an audio CD specially produced for this event. So if users selected a page, they started the corresponding track of the CD. With every access to the server, a trace-route routine was started automatically, analyzing the route of the user's connections. This information was mapped into MIDI commands controlling the sound samplers. Thus, each machine involved in the user's link to our server got an acoustical signation. This traces of the network activities was mapped on a 12-channel audio systems. The result was an acoustical map of the electronic space which constitutes, out, which constitutes out of the user's interactivity, which could be heard on site and via the terrestrial live broadcast. It, it's not, nothing very, very um, exceptional now, I think. Yes, yeah. uh, we are now in. Uh, we were in the first days of internet, uh, uh, of uh, and we were, like many others, discovering uh, the internet as a, a place where art can take place. And um, our approach was a bit different uh, because uh, what. Uh, interested us very much is uh, the possibility uh, to make happen uh, to make uh, things happen in the what we call then electronic space in a space which is not uh, related to a, to a topographic space like this one but uh, to create something which takes part in different spaces and which can be simultaneously uh, seen or heard in very different spaces and with very different media. Uh, we thought this was this uh, kind of, uh, this form of art is uh, appropriate for the theme like migration. Uh, we started to migrate, migrate ourselves and that was the second step, I think, uh, in sharing control. Uh, we were never, uh, we were nowhere in the only place where the thing happened. Thing happened in different places, different people were working on it, and nobody could have the control over it all, and nobody could even see or hear, hear or watch it all. So uh, it was like a multi-headed uh, person uh, which came out. Everybody has got a different view, different uh, point of view, Nobody has seen it all. Everybody has seen it all. And uh, you could have only have a fragmented perception. And even the, the, the artists that were conceiving the whole stuff, uh, did, um, uh, we, we do not know how the whole thing really evolved. We just saw that what, what we were related to. So, of course, uh, things like that are also not that easy to document. Usually all what remains are fragments of websites, dead links, and things that uh, nobody, that maybe archaeologists can read. Uh, here's another project we did. I think we will just show it briefly because uh, time is running. Um, and the reason why we showed this project is uh, because we uh, tried at least a little bit to make a documentation of it. Uh, the, it uh, the, this uh, this project was commissioned. It, it was it was a really a funny thing actually because uh, uh, it was the 21st on the 21st of March 2000. Uh, it was the anti-racism day worldwide, and uh, the. Uh, and, and, and we wanted to, uh, to build gateways between uh, certain places, uh, gateways uh, where culture uh, try, uh, becomes instable, actually. And we chose uh, one image, and, and this is the image of uh, the 21st of, of March is also the, 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 the day of equinox. So uh, it, it's the only uh, one of the two days in, uh, in, in the year where on every point on earth, on every 
on every specific point on Earth, the daylight is accurate 12 hours, and it's uh, it, it's on the whole Earth, and it's and this is this was our light motif for the anti-racism day because there is no difference and no spot on the world. Uh, and we said, okay, we had uh, we had. Uh, uh, some space uh, places on this uh, on this uh, earth. It was Melbourne, it was uh, Beograd, it was Wien, Erfurt, Weimar, and Vancouver. And we start the whole uh, performance uh, with uh, sunrise at the most eastern point. Uh, this was uh, Melbourne, and stop the performance with sunset on the most western point. So. Uh, and, and every location had 12 hours, the, the 12 hours of the daylight they were performing and streaming into the net. And so uh, the 12 hours daylight were ac actually for us were 32 hours long. And you can't, and, and it's just the elongated day, <laughs> it was the elongated day, and no, but we just, Play some some sounds now that were traveling through the through the uh, uh, network. Yeah, just a little remark about this. Uh, why we choose the title "Gateways"? The title. Uh, what we are interested in is uh, where places, uh, for example, in Vienna, which don't look and sound like if they were in Vienna. So we went to a lot of. Uh, for example, Turkish restaurants and stuff like this. And what we uh, broadcasted from Vienna doesn't uh, didn't uh, sound at all like it was uh, uh, like something from Austria. Uh, Andrew Garden in, in Melbourne did the same. He went into uh, a quarter which is uh, populated by many migrants. And, for example, he uh, made an interview with an old lady which was emigrated from Austria. And, he and we heard this old lady uh, speaking Viennese, Austrian dialect, but uh, it was not in Vienna, but it was located in Melbourne. So uh, what uh, interested us in this uh, uh, gateways, uh, uh, with this gateways metaphor is, that uh, the spaces are no, never uh, can never see, be seen as uh, as a whole. Uh, everything can be uh, we can say a, a topographic identity of the space uh, is uh, is a, a multiple identity. It was like this. You can you could never really tell uh, from the sounds itself that were migrating in the in the network uh, where it was its origin, and we we uh, we had uh, in in Vienna we had a huge place a space an open space where we projected the sounds the migrating sounds into the public space actually, and uh, so maybe you could. Yeah, just play some sounds. And so, uh, as as one could not really document the whole as a as a performance, we just uh, decided to make like little little excerpts of the of of that uh, uh, to would go to the top, go to the top, back. Yeah, sounds. Yeah, sounds here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of bits of sound, of interviews. Um, it is not really what you could, would call music. Uh, the thing that comes out is more uh, like a time document. I go through really shortly. Actually, it's all online. If anybody's more interested in more details,
Okay, and this leads us to, so we were often, we were, uh, we were invited to take part in other uh, collaborative projects, and 1999 there was one big project, it was sound drifting. Sound drifting, here I have a catalog who is, who is, uh, interested, we can, can show them then. Uh, sound drifting was a nine days installation and on, also an on-site, on-air, online installation, uh, and it was called, uh, an inter, dependent temporary system of international remote sub-projects using a wide range of methods and approaches to the generation and processing of sounds and images to form a continuous online, on-site, on-air sound installation on the occasion of Ars Electronica, 99. And actually there were 16 places, 16 real places, uh, and there was a big installation in Linz. This is the, the in, also in Austria. And Linz is, uh, is, uh, is the venue of Ars Electronica. And we were also invited to participate in the, in the network. And so, uh, we yes. were in Linz actually because we, we, we made, we made this installation and we should, uh, have, we should stream from another place. Uh, and so we told ourselves, because we couldn't be on two places itself, uh, we built our own city and where we stream into this installation. And this is how our project Alien City uh, emerged. Alien City, we will perform uh, one version of Alien City tomorrow, two o'clock in the afternoon, I think, in the Taplin Auditorium. And Alien City, is a virtual city which is online since 1999, continuously, and it has its own character. It's, it's, it's never stable, it's always shifting. And from time to time we travel with this city uh, into other places and put them on site in performances or installations, and the same thing we we change the places with our installations and our performance performances uh, we take things out of the places like persons uh, or buildings or sounds yeah uh, we can show a short movie uh, which describes the history and the idea behind Alien City. Okay, just one little moment because we, this is a brand new DVD. It was, uh, it is, uh, it is presented now at the, at the, at the Steirische Herbst in Graz. It's actually a documentation DVD about, uh, the biggest, uh, Alien City performance we ever made. And we made also a history, Alien City History. This is a short movie, about 12 minutes, and this we want to show you as a background for tomorrow's performance. tributary rivulets from the frantic travels of the punched-out lace finger. <laughs>
Okay. Um, this was the history of Alien City. Tomorrow the history will be continued at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, it's hard for us to tell all this in such an abstract way because we feel that it's very hard to understand and it's hard to explain and hard to understand. So if you have any questions, it would be better to do this in a more dialogical um, way. Okay, I think um, that's enough for this lecture. And if everybody, anybody wants uh, to make a question right now, he or she is free to do so. Otherwise, we are here until Saturday, Saturday evening. And besides uh, the performance of Alien City tomorrow, we will also stay in the Terrace Club tomorrow uh, in the evening, starting at 11. There's a big party going on. And we are proud to be a little part of this party. We will do a special room uh, where we will show videos, where we will make special music. So we are there.